Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining us. With me today, I have Sharon Heaton. She is the president, founder, and CEO of SBA Liftoff. And she's also the author of a book, not surprisingly, called Liftoff. Sharon, thanks for joining us today. And uh, I see to your uh, left, we have a partner of mine, uh, Wright Lewis. Wright, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, Tom. Uh, Wright Lewis, uh, I'm a partner here at Dunlap, Ben & Ludwig. Uh, my practice is focused on lower middle market m and uh, I also do venture capital and some general corporate work. And uh, done a lot of deals with Sharon and her team, and uh, really happy to have her on the podcast today. Yeah, I'm excited too. I, I know Sharon's worked with some of my clients, and you've closed and sold some of my clients as well. So appreciate both of your expertise, and I'm excited to learn more about the deeper dive in the inside. So let's start with SBA Liftoff and kind of this first segment of our podcast. Let's talk about your background and how you got where you are. I know you were at, at Skadden, which I, you know, I have friends who are there. I hear rumors about Skadden. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but tell me about that and, and what made you start SBA Liftoff, where you came from. Well, let me start off by saying it's SB Liftoff. SB Liftoff. As, um, so as in small business, successful business. As opposed business. to SBA. I yes, just stole exactly. something from the government. <laughs> uh, right. They, they would get bad. mad at me, which is yeah. why. Um, Fair. SB Liftoff <laughs> is in some ways an outgrowth of my experience from Skadden and all the other things that I've done. Skadden's a wonderful, wonderful firm. They are terrific and I learned a huge amount for them. However, you know, they work for a specific part of the market. They work for companies, basically almost always companies, that are extraordinarily wealthy. And the idea is how do you move money from one pocket to another? I was much more interested in figuring out how we could create wealth, uh, that it wasn't simply the reallocation. Starting SB Liftoff has become and is a passion project of mine, uh, in part because I've worked in so many other parts of the market that were intellectually challenging, but not as emotionally satisfying as the kind of work that we do now. So to dive into the emotional side, and I'm probably jumping way, way, way ahead, and I want to talk about this in the next segment, but in your book, you talk about having empathy and kind of the, the science and the emotions behind a business sale. And I just want to put a pin in that. I want to come back to that because it's Absolutely. interesting that that's kind of where you came from. And I, that was one of the most, I think, useful and new things to me that came out of that. So when you left law and went into, so you were an M&A lawyer at Skadden, and then you went into, how did, how did the SB liftoff come about? How did you find your first clients or start or what, you know, how did that, what's the process like? The real process is that um, I went through several different stages of my career and I've been extremely lucky. I worked at Skadden, I worked at Latham and Watkins, I worked at publicly traded companies and had great experiences. I started saying that the law was fantastic, but I really liked the, the business side of things as well. I like the creativity on the business side. I started uh, an investment bank with some friends in 2009 that I sold in 2014. So I sat there in 2014 and said, now what I want to do with my life? As I was sitting there contemplating the existential, a friend came to me and said, Sharon, I've got this company. 
It's about $10 million in revenue. I've tried to sell it three times. I've not been able to. Can you help me sell this company? And I said, well, I'm not really doing anything right now, so let me see what I can do. Uh, worked with her, uh, was able to trans- transfer the company successfully. It's turned out to be a very good deal for both the buyer and the seller. But in the process, I saw that it was such a different process to be working with the founder owner who has a deep emotional commitment to their company in a way that publicly traded companies and even PE-backed companies just don't have. And I said, this is my market. These are the people who pay their taxes, hire people, and are deeply committed to what they're doing. This is where I want to work. That was the formation in the beginning of the idea of SB Liftoff. So what was the most difficult part of, of this process for you in starting SBA Liftoff or in switching your brain? It sounds like you were excited to do it. It doesn't sound difficult, but... It was extremely challenging. The first thing I thought of, okay, great, I want to do M&A, uh, and I don't want to do it at the top of the market. What does that mean? Um, so I started looking at all parts of the market. I started looking at very small companies, $5 million and below in revenue. I started looking at more mid-sized companies, $100 million to $400 million. And then I said, wait a minute, there's a part of the market that's underserved. The part of the market that is not small business, but isn't what we think of as big business. This lower mid-market, there's a national center for the mid-market, and they refer to it as the mighty mid-market. And the mighty mid-market creates almost two-thirds of all the jobs in the United States, and they pay a disproportionate amount of corporate taxes. And I said, this is fantastic. And then I met the founder owner. Not the paying of the corporate taxes. <laughs> um, the fact that it is the backbone of the U.S. economy. Oh, that it's the backbone. It is the backbone yeah. of the U.S. economy, and we need to respect it. And it's often ignored. You know, when we talk about small business, we're really talking about the corner store, the somebody who opens something up, and they have two, three, four million in revenue. Fantastic, really a wonderful thing to do. But the people who sit at their table and after 10 or 15 years have 20 million, 30 million, 40 million in revenue, that is magic. They have taken an idea and turned it into gold. And that is just an unbelievable attribute that they have. Now, the other attribute that they have is that they're crazy. I mean, you have to be crazy to kind of give up a job and not have a salary and say, I think I can do this. So there's a strong emotional component to what it is they've created and what they want to see happen to it. And I was fascinated by that. So they have to be non-risk averse or <laughs> that a really clinical way to state it. So they have to be risk takers. Um, so when you talk about how, how did you first, how do you meet these people? How do you meet these businesses? Middle market business, how do you quantify, find, you know, where are they? I would say that in year six of SB Liftoff, we're way better at it than we were in years one and two. Well, that's good. Uh, in years <laughs> one and two, I would just follow people out into the parking lot and say, do you have a company? Let's talk about it. Uh, it was a little scary, actually, and I wasn't very good at it. We got lucky. Uh, we had a handful of deals early on uh, that were quite substantial, and that allowed me to, f- I t- that took that money and funded the company. And one of the best things I've ever done is hire people smarter than me. Uh, so SB Liftoff used to be the Sharon Heaton show. And for years now, it's no longer been that. I've got other people working at SB Liftoff who share the values, want to achieve the same goals, and in many, in many ways are smarter than me. So it's fantastic. Well, so tell me about SB Liftoff and exactly what SB Liftoff does. I know that I've come to write before and he said, let's talk to Sharon about getting a valuation for the company or helping your client. And I'm an IP lawyer. I'm kind of like caveman lawyer when it comes to some of the business transaction and sales stuff. 
So what does SB Liftoff do for somebody? I know you've, you've helped my clients. I'm not even really sure what happened. Well, I will tell you that intellectual property was my worst grade in law school. Um, so, you know, I, I stand there in awe and respect. you liked the least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I did very well in corporate law, let me tell you. What we do is we work with both buyers and sellers, although most of our work is on the sell side, and we help them sell their company. Very often we have to turn to them and say, your company is not sellable. Here are the things that you need to do to turn it into a sellable company. Once we have a sellable company, we bring them through a process to get a transaction done. SB Liftoff also has been doing valuations for the last year, and that's really picking up. Our valuations are a little bit different than other people's, and that is not simply saying, here's the number that's the value of your company. What we do is we do that, but we also do the why. What are the factors that caused us to get to that valuation? We often are talking to business owners who say, my company, you know, you're telling me that my company has a value of 20. I wouldn't think about selling for less than 30. We say, okay, that's a fully understand. Here's what your company would need to look like to be a $30 million company. Here's the target. Here are the things to do. We're not going to help you do them. We're not growth consultants. But we can tell you, if you bring this back to us, that's a $30 million company. Gotcha. So when you... Uh look at a company that's worth 10 million and the owner says, I need it to be worth 20 million. What are the kinds of things you tell them to do? SP Liftoff works very heavily, as I said, in M&A. We work in the GovCon sector and then we work with companies in the size range. If you're working in GovCon uh, and you're working with companies that- Get have, more contracts. <laughs> Go get more contracts. Go government contracts. It gets the right kind of contract. Getting the wrong kind of contracts can grow, but actually be hurtful. Like set-asides. Um, well, the set-aside market can be very profitable. We have sold a number of companies with set-asides that were terrific. Um, but it's, very, it's a, a very interesting market because if you, as a normal rule in the commercial market, if you get bigger- It's great. It's great. If you get too big. And if the GovCon market, if you get bigger and you're not careful, it actually can reduce value. Yeah, um, so I get that. So being, being planning, planning for these things is incredibly important. Gotcha. So I have to pause for our listeners as, as an also GovCon lawyer myself sometimes. What Sharon's talking about is that set-asides are limited to companies that have less than a certain amount of revenue by NACIS code. And so if you get over that revenue, you lose the right to bid on those contracts in the future or get those contracts. So that's that's what I think you're talking about. Right? Um, that is true at the highest level. Yeah. Now let's take it down a level. If you have some contracts, some vehicles, IDIQs, BPAs, you might be able to continue to bid even after you've grown out of that size code. Right. Uh, there are if some, you're on a big, big IDIQ, or GWAC or something. Having those kind of vehicles. Yeah. In addition, not every um, NICS code is limited by revenue. There are some that allow you to go by employee count. By employee count, yeah. And the employee counts are insane. Uh, it's like hitting the jackpot. So yeah. we're working with a company right now that's going to size out, but we have now identified a NICS code that's going to be an employee-based. And if they can get into that, they can stay in that small business world. You know, in that is so. I've had so many conversations, Sharon, with clients who are like, we need to move our code to a different... IT to something else or from consulting to something else because it's a much bigger revenue code or an employee count. It's very hard. It's though. very hard. So at least in my, my experience, it's very hard. You have to find a new contract. I like hearing about your background and learning. In the next section, when you come back and our listeners come back in a couple of weeks and they hear this next session, but you don't have to come back in a couple of weeks. It'll be like two minutes for you. Uh, let's talk about 
your book a little bit and about SB Liftoff and the actual process that a client goes through. We talked about what you do for clients, and let's talk about it from the client's perspective and their empathy. Thanks for joining us on the Black Letter Podcast for this segment. I know you're excited and you guys are bummed that you have to wait a week. Download us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes. We'll see you next week on the Black Letter Podcast. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.